Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to the newest episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Sano, joined, as always, by the Balzac Billy, to my Staten Island Chuck, a.k.a. Charles G. Hogg. It's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? And that's a groundhog from Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Yeah, well, uh, I'm I'm from Staten Island, and uh, I don't know if you know this, but uh, Bill, De- <laughs> Bill DePlazio <laughs> says he has no plans to ever return to the Groundhog Day. He said, I tried it, it didn't end well, and I won't be back. You know, wow. just another reason, another thing to hold against de Blasio. Yeah, he sucks. Uh, and our very own Puxatani Phil. That's right, the OG himself. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? And no matter uh, what time of year it is, we've all got that Puxatani Phil in. Yeah, it's such a, it's, he, I mean, that's the, that's the OG. He says that all the other groundhogs are imposters, which sounds like something you would say too. He's the so, Yankee of, uh, he's the Yankees of groundhogs. You guys ready for this hey, week's Seahawks hey, news? Hey, what's up? <laughs> okay, I can do it. I can do it in 10 seconds. Here we go. Jamal Adams trade rumors. Yes. Okay. Uh, we got. So those are the, that just keeps happening. Uh, I'm just going to say, I don't think they're going to trade Jamal Adams. It's, it's getting like way too close to the start of the season. It would be weird at this point. Um, he wants to be traded, but that doesn't always mean you get to get traded. And they have so little power with the new collective bargaining. Especially when Adam Gase is involved. Uh, the second thing is, um, Quentin Dunbar, last week I said he hired a second lawyer, which means this is not going to end. And boy, howdy, did I <laughs> did I nail that one. It, it got it got so much weirder <laughs> consistently. Just uh, every day it was um, it was like something th- strange happened. Three weeks ago in the Discord, it was the news was something like signed affidavits from witnesses, and I wrote something like never a doubt, and just being a smart ass. And now when he is convicted, I'm going to type never a doubt. Because that's uh, where I'm in. It's just constantly changing. So yeah. new Patreon campaign, you guys. We're trying to raise enough money so that we can hire ourselves to my cousin Vinny, his defense. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> yeah. But uh, the three of us talked amongst ourselves and we refused to do it unless we can hire Marissa Tomei to help out. No kidding. That's what we need the money for. Yeah, it was just... It, it, it's just he held keep... up three youths. The team is obviously still hopeful that he'll be able to play because they haven't done anything to address cornerback. And there are decent cornerbacks still available on free agency. You know, not like great ones, but ones that could come in immediately and, and make an impact for the Seahawks like Logan Ryan. Um, Denard. just an example. Uh, Dark Priest Denard. Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. There's there's guys out there that are available that could be impact veterans that would instantly give us at least depth behind Trey Flowers, bare minimum. Uh, but they seem to be riding this road right now um they're confident i mean this isn't the first time we've employed a criminal got got uh the michael kendrick's experience from the last couple years so yep maybe maybe they're just they just they feel experienced in this they know what they're talking about it's just uh he's got a little bit of a legal thing you know that's what that's what pete would say i'll be ready i'll be ready with one just a little just a little bit of a legal thing he's got a criminal justice thing yeah (laughs) um yeah all right then so the last Seahawks story. Uh, this is for Eric mostly. Eric, they released the Madden ratings for the for the quarterbacks. <laughs> the okay. thing I care least about. Yes, continue. Patrick Mahomes came in first at ninety nine overall, and Russell Wilson was number two at ninety seven overall, um, which I think is correct. That's the correct rating. Uh, I think that I actually honestly think Russell Wilson is about the same good as Mahomes. There, I don't think there's a big difference there, but I'm not going to quibble over 99 and 97. That's both really, really good. No, and uh, I think Bobby Wagner will be intercepting everyone's passes over the middle for all you Madden fans. Yeah, he got Bobby Wagner got a 99 last year. He's definitely not getting a 99 this year. Um, no, I think he didn't that, get a 98. 
I don't know. No, probably not. Uh, they ranked Aaron Rodgers as the sixth best quarterback and Tom Brady as the fifth best. They gave Tom Brady a 90. I was just like, nope. Mm-mm. Wow. It's so disrespectful to everyone who's better than Tom Brady, which is like 10 guys at least. Um, like, would you rather, okay, just in a vacuum, nothing else to consider, Tom Brady or Matt Stafford? Just like for, ne- for next year, you need to win a playoff game. You're Tampa Bay. What do you think you got a better chance of doing with if you had Tom Brady or Matt Stafford? I'm honestly picking Tom Brady with those two. Give me a different one, though. Oh, Tom I Brady. Feel like or, they're both kind of broke down. Tom Brady or Matt Ryan? That's the Matt question. Ryan. Matt Ryan. Tom Brady or Deshaun Watson? Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson. <laughs> These are guys that were behind him in the rankings, by the way. Tom Brady, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers. Tom Brady or Dak Prescott? Dak Prescott. Probably Dak. Okay. There's here's one. Here's one. Tom Brady or Carson Wentz? Uh, Tom Brady. I'll take like the five healthy games from Carson Wentz over Tom Brady. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a wash. That's the thing. They just really overrated Tom Brady. That's that's the only qualm I had with the whole thing. Also, why? Okay, I have a question. Why a hundred percent of the time when people post pictures of Lamar Jackson on the internet is he wearing sunglasses? I've seen him without sunglasses. Like, is this just like kind of like his signature look? I don't really know. Though? Are they prescription? Maybe he does yeah. only wear sunglasses. Maybe the pictures that you thought were him without sunglasses they weren't actually him. Yeah. So um, <laughs> maybe possibly. it's the other Lamar Jackson, like the cornerback Lamar Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of brothers with that name around this place. All right. So that's, that's it. Did you guys didn't hear any other like hot Seahawks stories that I missed right there? Right. No Seahawks hot goss. I mean, Nothing. Chris Jones, Chris Jones signed a big contract. So you can, you can file that one in the dream bin. Uh, Seahawks uh, in legend. honor of it being July, I'd like to say that there are several people in the greatest shape of their life. Yeah. Um, other people are. Uh, they really aren't though, because of uh, <laughs> because of social distancing. That's right. Uh, what about um, Kevin? What about uh, the Seahawks legend Miles Garrett got a new deal with the Browns? Oh man, yeah. I guess that really puts the quash on that trade rumor. I thought Dang it was it. happening. Here comes I really trusted. Trade. I really trusted a Reddit user. Everybody loves nudes. In all fairness, we know one thing he didn't lie about. Yeah, that's true. Everybody does Everybody love, does nudes. love nudes. I mean, all you right. know. let's get into it, man. Today we're going to talk about the NFC East, a very uh, good division to talk to talk about because uh, you know the Seahawks play the teams in the NFC East this year. So this is a great division for us to dive into. And this is a uh, t- this is a division with a lot of things moving around right now. There's a lot of shit going on here. Oh. <laughs> Kevin O's swear dollar jar. swear jar. There we go. There it goes. Uh, Already. Dallas, and often. Ca- Dallas Cowboys. Uh, eight and eight last year. They added Anthony Brown, Haha Clinton Dix, Andy Dalton, Gerald McCoy, Alden Smith, Daryl Worley. I tried to slip Andy Dalton in there because I thought it'd be funny, but uh, it wasn't as funny as I thought. Byron, they lost Byron Jones, Robert Quinn, Randall Cobb, Malik Collins, and Jeff Heath. In the draft, they picked up C.D. Lamb, Trevon Diggs, Neville Gallimore. Seahawks connection. I had to dig deep for this one. They right now are rostering. Seahawks practice squad legend Marcus Henry. That's that's it. That's what I had. I had to go deep for that one. He will probably end up on their practice squad if he sticks around there. Um, maybe he's friends with Kellen Moore or something. I don't really know how how a, a practice squad guy like that. I mean, he went to Boise State, so that's kind of my connections. Like maybe he knew Kellen Moore, and that's how he bumped <laughs> down to Dallas. Because I can't think of any other reason why he'd be in Dallas right now. All right, Kevin, start us off. How about them Cowboys? How about them Cowboys, a team that was so poorly coached that they were uh, over 100 points up in the plus minus and finished eight and eight. Like, this is bad. Like, their point differential 
was something you'd expect out of a 10, 11, maybe even 12 win team, but the Clapper just couldn't get them anywhere. So you take a look at what they lost in the offseason. They lost some old guys. Um, they lost a few kind of stalwarts, like losing Travis Frederick kind of hurts, but they kind of lost him last season. Uh, losing Robert Quinn kind of hurts because he was their big pass rusher. Byron Jones is a big loss. Yeah, Byron but, Jones is good. Byron Jones is good at football. Like, no, there's no two ways about it. He's yeah, good he's at legit. Fo- he's a good football player, so losing him sucks. But, but they, it's not like they do left the cupboard bare on defense. Yeah, that's it. I mean, Daryl Worley's a guy who can come in and provide like below average cornerback play if Trevon Diggs can't step up or if they don't have an internal replacement. Um, I felt like the McCoy Poe signing. Uh, to bolster the middle was a really good one. Like they have a good interior defensive line rotation. Alden Smith, uh, mentally unstable, but the guy can rush the passer. Like that's yeah, a fact. Their pass rush should improve with like Ane and Alden Smith coming in to rotate with you know all those guys and Dorrance Armstrong and all those guys. And they still have Demarcus Lawrence, who is awesome. Yeah, and they also got Tyler Biotish in the fourth round, who there's a good chance could, can step in and play a pretty solid center. And if not. They have a guy on the roster who's at least decent. Um, C.D. Lamb's a big thing, though. Randall Cobb is out. Tavon Austin is out. Congratulations, you just freed up more snaps for for C.D. Lamb, who's way more talented than either of them. So I think that they're a really good team. I think they are going to be competing as one of the best teams in the NFC this season. Yeah, they're... they're, Okay, so their weapons on offense are incredible. Uh, Lamb, Cooper, Gallup. I've been going deep for like fantasy football. This just watching so much tape. Michael Gallup is really good. Amari Cooper is really good. And CD Lamb was my favorite wide receiver from this class. So putting that together, they're going to have an awesome receiving core they could throw out there. Blake Jarwin is, doesn't suck. And they still have Ezekiel Elliott. Their, their 11 personnel is really good. And uh, I'm really excited about that. Their defense, they have a deep defensive line rotation. They have, honestly, they have good linebackers and a pretty decent secondary not like a great secondary but a passable one and one that i think they'll be able to hide behind their above average pass rush and one thing i'll say is i don't like mike mccarthy mike mccarthy is garbage he's not good not a good coach he's not really good at all but the thing that's cool about mike mccarthy is is he's way better than jason garrett (laughs) Like they went from a two to a six and going from a two to a six is going to matter a lot for a team that was able to really get hot in some games and then had real big struggles in other games. Uh, I like the coaching staff all around Mike McCarthy, Kellen Moore, Mike Nolan, John Fossil. These are all guys who have done it in the NFL before really experienced. I would be stunned if this team doesn't make the playoffs. And I, Kevin said, I have them as one of the top contenders in the NFC. Uh, Eric yeah, coaching wise, they traded in like a go ped for like a moderately beat up Honda civic. Right. It's like a, like that's a big it's, upgrade. It's, it's reliable. It's not great. I don't love him. I it's think not flashy. Mike, it's not like Mike McCarthy should have done more with Aaron Rodgers's prime, but he's not, he's not as bad as Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett was an eight and eight world champ. You know, like he, he would just, no matter what talent he had, the team would somehow find a way to go eight and eight. Yeah, he's Jeff Fisher esque. Yeah, he's the Jeff Fisher of coaches. Eric, what do you what do you got? What do you got uh, for uh, Cowboys? Yeah, that's wrong, Kevin. Jeff Fisher is the Jeff Fisher of mustaches. Uh Cowboys, if you look at their schedule, uh it is favorable for them, mainly because they play in the NFC East, which we will study further here. Um I really have nothing more to add except they have a, a lot of receiving talent. We all know what Zeke can do. I think it's hard to to pick this team under ten wins. But if they hit nine wins, it wouldn't shock me. 
they found another coach who will be a yes man to Jerry Jones. Uh, that alone tells me that they will find a way to screw it up. I like the Cowboys at 10 wins. I have them at 12, but that's like my rosiest prediction. I think it might be a little less than that. I do have them playing 12 games against teams with losing records, though, and have one of the easiest schedules in the whole league. So I'm I tend to the difference with 11 wins. So, yeah, tend similar. to agree with that. All right, let's head to uh, next up. I got the New York football giants. They added James Bradbury, Deion Lewis, Kyler Fackerel, Blake Martinez, and Levine Toy Lolo. Dropped Eli Manning, Mike Remmers, Marcus Golden, and well, maybe Marcus Golden. He still hasn't signed anywhere, and they they do get him back if he doesn't sign. And Antoine Bethay drafted Andrew Thomas, Matt Pert, Xavier McKinney. Seahawks connection, of course. New York is the home of Seahawks legend Golden Tate. Eric, what, how about what do you think about the Giants? Oh man, uh, the Giants are gonna be better than last year. Uh, they've they've lost the the shadow of Eli Manning, which I think is you know it's it's hard to get rid of a quarterback who's won two franchises, um, two two Super Bowls for your franchise, and um, no matter how bad he's been, I'm sure the people there loved him. Uh, oh, Kevin, going back to our earlier conversation, did you know that a young Eli Manning is in Bloodsport? We'll talk about that later. Think in your memory. <laughs> is it just a stupid face? Uh, it, it's the kid, the young Jean Claude Van Damme. Tell me that's not a young Eli Manning. Anyway, um, <laughs> uh, I like this team to be better. I think this team is not going to be good. I think they're going. I mean. It's better really, than what they went four and twelve. Yeah, I was year. gonna say at four, <laughs> at four wins. I think I like this team at probably six wins. They start off with a pretty easy schedule, and then from there it gets. Uh, it doesn't get super tough, but it just gets. Uh, they run into better teams. Yeah. Um, all right. I look at this roster, and I think, what is this defense? It is not good. Very. It is very not good. Um, the offense is fine. They they threw a bunch of draft picks at offensive line, which they definitely needed to do. And if they, you know, Andrew Thomas is a really good football player, so that their offensive line should improve. Daniel Jones is like mildly underrated. He's not good or anything, but I think that I think that people are starting to catch on that he really finished the last season strong. Uh, they got Saquon Barkley. Their wide receivers are a little suspect, but Slayton was kind of a revelation for them as a fifth round draft pick, and they're not they're not horrible. But their defense, it's and the, the thing is they had they spent like one high draft pick on a defensive player, and it is a player that they have like a hundred percent overlap with a player on their roster already. Like, why do you need Xavier McKinney if you have Jabril Peppers? They just they they're like this. It's like having two of that. What do you? Because they think that? Jabril Peppers is a failure at this are point. They, are they going to have Jabril Peppers play like? like inside linebacker so they can bench David Mayo. Like that's what I'm starting to think. Is they're going to cut one. They're, they're brought in for competition. It's because there's, I don't know. It's, it's real. It's not good over there. I don't know. I think they might be moving Jabril Peppers to linebacker or something. Cause they're, their off season is kind of, they just, I don't like this defense. It's going to be real bad. It's going to be a disaster. Um, they have like three players that I think are like good and they're all interior defensive linemen. So that's, uh, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's not, the they have, they have basically like three pretty good nose tackles that are going to be their three starting Dude, D linemen. Leonard Hamilton, Dalvin Tomlinson, Dexter Lawrence, and BJ Hill are all good players, but they're, none of them are going to get more than six sacks and they're all interior defensive linemen. Like what, what's the plan of this roster building? I don't understand it. And then, like I said, like they, do they want to get away from David Mayo? I mean, that was like their most productive linebacker from last year. So probably not. So they bring in Blake Martinez, who is not good. Let's just straight up say that. 
I don't know. Their defense is going to be terrible. I have the, I'm also at six and 10, Eric. Uh, Kevin, what do you got? <laughs> uh, I think you hit a lot of it. I, I like their draft. Actually, I think Andrew Thomas is a really good pickup. He's a guy who can either be a right tackle or a left tackle to begin with. They have Nate Solder for the other side, which means Matt Burke can come along slower, which is what needs to happen. Interior of their line's pretty decent. This is going to be the best offense they've fielded in a while. On the defensive side, yep. They're yeah. se- especially their secondary. Like, their corners are trash. Uh, James Bradbury, they paid a lot of money to be below average. Uh, DeAndre Baker may or may not be able to play. If he can play, he wasn't that good. Uh, McKinney and Julian Love are interesting. Yeah, their safeties are interesting. They have interesting like, and I, I don't, I don't, I'm not like ready to give up on Jabril Peppers as like a you know robber slash box safety, but I think the ceiling is obviously defined at this point as not that high, right? Yeah, because the other thing, I guess maybe they Slightly could be moving Lorenzo Carter in as more of a pass rushing specialist, and then uh, using Peppers as a weak side linebacker. I don't know. There, there's gonna have to do something because Fackrell and Carter kind of overlap. So maybe that's what's going to happen is Carter and Fackrell are going to play kind of the pass rushing strong side in the 3-4 and Peppers plays a coverage linebacker, which I think all along has probably been his best skill set. But I think no matter how you put it, the defense is going to be rough this year. The offense is still pretty young and needs to come along. And I think they also need one more wide receiver. Like, I'm not sold that Darius Slayton can do it for another season. I'm not sold that Sterling Shepard can stay healthy again. And Golden Tate's getting a little bit older. Like they, I, I need to see them pick up a good wide receiver in the next draft for me to believe that they're going to be able to take the next step. And that's not going to happen until at least twenty twenty one. I'm at six and ten. Also, I looked at Golden Tate and he's only thirty one. I was like, that's not that old for wide receiver. Like I, I looked it up earlier today because I was like, maybe Golden Tate's over it. He's probably oh, really? still fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I thought he was going to be like a year or two older than that because it just feels like he's been he's been in the league since twenty ten. He looks a little yeah. older. Like he's, he's, looks like he's distinguished, distinguished gentleman. He, no, like he's been on a rough road. Oh, oh no! Ouch! Just telling you, hey, Eric Gold, tells it like this, it is. That's you know. Uh, somebody at Eagles. Golden Tate, Eric says you look like a dried out turd on a bad stretch of road. That's last year, he goes last year nine and seven. They added Javon Hargrave, Nickel Roby, Coleman, Will Parks, Jalen Mills. They lost Aguilar, Darby, Jernigan, Howard. They drafted Jalen Rager, Jalen Hurts, and Davion Taylor. Uh, Seahawks connection here for this. Their linebacker coach, Ken Flagel. I don't know how to say that. He was with the Seahawks from 1999 to 2002. Had to dig deep for that one also. And he was also our linebacker's coach, so he has not really progressed in his career. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe he's just a really good linebacker coach. I don't know. (laughs) Okay. All right. Uh, It's Eric's turn. Eric. Or no, no, it's I Kevin. Them. Yeah. Kevin, how do you think about them Eagles? Uh, I think that they are in a little bit of a rough spot. Uh, Jason Peters coming back in order to help out was a good thing. I think the Javon Hargrave signing was a good thing. I think Jatavis Brown is a really good fit for them. Um, I'm still not sure they figured out quite what's going on at uh, corner overall. Like I questioned I think, that piece of the roster. Adding Darius, adding Darius Slay and Nickel Roby Coleman, I feel like solids up that group. I don't know how much like faith I have in it totally, but that's true. I guess uh, they should be at least like a they should be at least a C plus, and they do have still a pretty decently deep defensive line rotation. Um, a lot of, still depends if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, which I don't think is ever something you can count on. 
I think they did one smart thing with their receiving core. Uh, Quez Watkins, uh, who was a sixth-round pick, John Hightower was a fifth-round pick, and Jalen Rager, their first-round pick, are all guys that can stretch the field. And what you saw last season was Deshaun Jackson went down, and they had Alshon Jeffrey, who's basically a move tight end at this point in his career, J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, who's not a field stretcher, and then they had uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. And they had a lack of ability to take the top off of defense and everybody could keep them honest, you know? And so I think they made some good moves to be able to free up their offense to do what it needs to do. But I'm not convinced they actually improved a lot as a team. So I do think they got a little better um, just in terms of like raw talent level. Like I like, I like their starting defense and I like their starting offense Here's the problem is that I think this team's pretty thin. And if anything has shown up, the Eagles showed us last year is that they have trouble with injuries and they re- this is a team that really needs to stay healthy. If they can stay healthy, this team will be awesome. They will be really good. They'll be tough to beat. They might, they might flip with the Cowboys, honestly, in my kind of rankings in this division, but injuries can sink this team so fast and it could come from anywhere, right? Like Kevin said last year, Deshaun Jackson, that was like an injury that no one would have expected to kind of tank their whole offense. And it totally did. Um, yeah. I think bringing in Slay and Coleman kind of shores up a weak, a clear weakness at cornerback uh, makes it so that that's like less of a, just, we can totally take advantage of these corners. Their defensive line is still good. Linebackers are questionable, but that's okay. Um, I love Boston Scott. That's a guy I'm just like totally enamored with. I think he's way underrated. He was really good down the stretch last year. Um, I know everyone's all hyped about how Miles Sanders finished the season, but Boston Scott was right there with him. Uh, maybe because he had to play some wide receivers <laughs> too, but uh, I think the Eagles are okay. I have them at nine and seven. So not, yeah, I'm at nine and seven as well. I was just running it back last year. And honestly, like I have them inexplicably losing the last game of the season to the Redskins. So that, and like losing their way out of the playoffs on that. Cause Impossible, that's just seemed, sir, mm. there won't be a Redskins at the end of the season. Oh, sorry. The Washington. Spoiler. No, that they will be. They're changing their team name to the DC Redskins. <laughs> um, the th- that's DC the Savages. That's what. That's what. The uh, Washington Engines. That's going to be his parting shot as he leaves uh, Donald Sterling style in basically in handcuffs. Eric, yeah. what uh, what do you got about the uh, the Eagles? the Eagles? Uh, you guys said it all more or less. Uh, Doug Peterson, fantastic coach. I really like their defense. I think the addition of Darius Slay was pretty nope, good for them. The robots got I there. am not a huge Carson Wentz believer. Oh no! Oh, sad. Sorry. Uh, it's they come for you from time to time. I like their defense. Darius Slay was a great addition. I'm not a huge Carson Wentz fan. I think their uh, their passing game needs a lot of work. If you're going to do short dumps, which Carson Wentz is okay at, that's going to be their full defense. Uh, their full offense. Uh, I also have them at nine and seven for this reason. Yeah, all right. Last one, Washington D- D.C.'s. They uh, brought in Ron Rivera. They also have uh, added Kyle Allen, Peyton Barber, Ronald Darby, Thomas Davis, Kendall Fuller. They lost Case Keenum, Paul Richardson, Eric Flowers, Chris Thompson. They drafted Chase Young, Antonio Gibson, Sadiq Charles. Seahawks connection, the gift that keeps on giving when I do these Seahawks connection things. This is now the home of J.D. McKissick. Last year they were 3-13, and Eric. Where do you have them now? Three and thirteen is an awful record, and it's really hard to imagine that a team can jump five wins, four wins. Having said that, 
I really like this team's buildup of young guys. I like their defense. Their front seven is very good. You have Montez Sweat at the end. Um, uh, Chase Young uh, should be pretty good for them. Uh, their linebackers are okay. Their cornerbacks, not so good. Uh, not really know what they're going to do with their defense there. I think having a uh, riverboat Ron will help shore that up for the future, but it's, uh, you know, it's not exactly going to happen this year. I, I'm on the fence of Dwayne Haskins, but I think that he is, I think he's a plus player right now, or at least a plus for this team. Certainly not the worst quarterback in the division. Uh, their, their running back game is, I think it will be steady. Okay. For one more year with Adrian Peterson, uh, Darius Geis may play 10 snaps. Um, I like this team to improve probably up to man, a whole six wins. And I see this team much like, uh, you said in the last preview, uh, playing spoiler throughout the season. One Um, thing to remember, Eric. Darius Geis is always guaranteed at least two snaps, the ACL and the MCL. <laughs> Sorry. Halfway as you said it, I was like, no, no, he's going to say it. He's going to say it. So my thing for the uh, the Washington uh, football team here, Jack Del Rio has gotten a lot out of premier pass rushers, and now he has been gifted Chase Young. He already has a couple decent pass rushers in Kerrigan and Sweat. I think that the defense is going to kind of lean on those guys to, to lead the way. Bringing Kendall Fuller kind of shores up a very clear weakness that they had. Their offense is okay. I like Dwayne Haskins. I think people are just burying Dwayne Haskins way too early. I don't think he's that mm-hmm. bad. I would rather have Dwayne Haskins than Daniel Jones in the long run. Um, they don't have any wide receivers. Like, who's the number two wide receiver without looking, Eric? Like who do you think it just name 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 a second wide receiver that's on their team? That's Paul Richardson. Terry. That's not Terry. Nope. nope. No, I know, I know he's not on the team. That's my joke. <laughs> Terry McLaurin, and then the next guys are like Kelvin Harmon, Cody Latimer. Like it's bad after so this team is a year away. It's, well, I think Kelvin Ross, Harmon even got injured just to add that. <laughs> their team is moving in the right direction. They have a lot of players that I like individually, but this offense is not going to score enough points. To, no matter how stingy this defense is. I, I also have them at 6-10. and 10. Eric, uh, Kevin? Uh, yeah, I'm also sitting at 6-10 and 10 for this team. I think that the type of team that they're assembling is one that's going to play into the strengths of Dwayne Haskins, but I don't think we're going to really get to see that for a couple more seasons. I do think that he's done enough where I wouldn't be surprised to see him take a step forward this year and then really show up in a couple of years, but they took a step back along the offensive line they took a their wide receiver core is not anything that you can trust. I think Gandy Golden could maybe be a thing later on. I think Trey Quinn could maybe be a little bit of a thing, but right now it, it's Terry McLaurin and dudes. Yeah, it's um, Dwayne Haskins, Terry McLaurin, every game. and like they have like four interesting running backs though. Right, so they got that going for them. Maybe Josh Ferguson can start playing slot receiver. Like I would definitely be putting right. JJ McKissick at receiver before I put him at running back. They have plenty of running backs. Yeah, they're uh, running, Antonio they have, Gibson they drafted. He could be receiver instead of a running back. Bryce Love. Like they have all these interesting running backs, and I'm like, hey, those guys are all kind of good. But yeah, it's it's trouble. They don't Does have not enough. an offense makes her. <laughs> this weapon, this offense needs weapons. One of these if two of these wide receivers just turn out to be way better than I think, this team could be pretty good because I think this defense is going to be a little stingy. A, a little bit of a, you know. They're gonna be a problematic. I think their problem. linebackers are kind of weird. They're in a bit of a spot when it comes to coverage linebackers. Uh, but like Sean Deon Hamilton could take a step forward and that would just kind of solve that problem. Or 
you know, Kaliki, uh, bringing Kaliki in Kaliki Hudson. Yeah, I think it's an interesting move. Like he is kind of a tweener safety linebacker guy, which that definitely seems like where they see him to be that that coverage linebacker. Yeah, I mean, uh, and then bringing in Ronald Darby to push Fabian Moreau means that you're guaranteed like slightly below average player better out of that cornerback spot too, um, across from Kendall Fuller. So it, it's interesting. I think that they have the pieces to make a team that could push towards eight and eight. But I think I think this is one of those squads that looks to me like they'll pick up a game. Let me take a look at their schedule real quick. They'll, uh, um, you know, they'll beat the Eagles or they'll beat the Cowboys or they'll beat the Steelers. But then they'll drop a game to the Lions or something and or they'll drop a game to the Bengals. They're gonna win a couple. They shouldn't, and they're gonna lose a couple. They shouldn't. Yeah, I uh, yep. They're they're all right. Okay, uh, <laughs> as far as playoffs go, uh, I only have the Cowboys as uh, the only playoff team here. Did you guys have uh, the Eagles also making it? Or That's I have I the Eagles to. at nine and seven, picking up one of the last playoff spots. I have them in eighth, which puts them one spot out. Poor Eagles. Sad sad days for Philadelphia fans. That guy uh, EDP four four five. He's just gonna be. So de- so depressed, um, but it'll be funny. Eric, did you have the Eagles making it, or no? Do you think no, they're, they're out. Gonna fall just short. All right. So that's our thoughts on the NFC East. If you have thoughts on the NFC East, send them our way. Uh, so that's it. Seahawks uh, money zone. If you want to support the Seahawks Miss Podcast, there's many ways to do so. The best way to do so: head over to Patreon.com/slash/SeahawksNest, and for as little as a dollar twenty-four a month, get access to ne- coming next week our first off-season uh betting podcast actually it's going to be a fantasy football podcast but which let's face it you're playing for money anyway it's like betting get get access to our uh to our uh fantasy football thoughts uh some of our early thoughts here uh luke thank you to the the patrons lucas tony matt timothy ryan james brett carrie tom michael brandon nick jay bob richard karen mike flockmas keith and michelle you guys are helping us out keeping us going uh, keeping me sane in this hotter than Hades room right now. If you don't have any money, head over to iTunes, head over to SoundCloud, Stitcher, wherever you find your your podcast. And I think I fixed my audio. I knew it was bad last week. I listened back and I was like, "Whoa, this is staggeringly bad." Um, so, so, so I hopefully I got that back on track. Um, all right, let's uh, let's do this movie club this week. So we a uh, new movie came out on Hulu this week. Uh, it's been getting a lot of buzz. Did you watch it yet, Kevin? Uh, no, I'm saving it for... Uh, I have, there's a category in August I'm going to use it for. For I do these things, uh, monthly hunts for for movies. So it's okay. like I, I set like 30, 30, like one movie a day. And uh, if it's a category, I know I'm going to do for August. Okay, Eric, did you did you watch Palm no. Springs yet? No, but I added it. It will be watched possibly this weekend. Okay, so I've seen it. It's good. I heard That's it's really good. Um, yeah, I've heard good it, things. And it falls into a category of movies that I think is beloved to everyone. Uh, the uh, the time loop movie, which is just such a fun uh, kind of subgenre of film that they, we there's plenty of movies that fall in this category. So I challenged the boys here. I said, pick your favorite time loop movie. Tell us why you love it. Tell us some cool facts about it. Um, all right. So, uh, Kevin, I'm going to let you go first because I think you have a, a real great one. So what's your favorite or what time loop movie did you want to tell us about? Uh, so I'm going with the uh, 1996 
Christmas every day. Can't, can't do it. Not allowed. This is movie club, not TV movie club. <laughs> but it stars Eric nope. Von Detten from Brink. Nope. Nope. Not allowed. It's not TV movie club, buddy. Sorry. Slam dunk. I'm, I'm so hurt. All right. Fine. My second favorite time loop movie, since we're being stingy. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Live, Die, Repeat or Edge of Tomorrow. Wait, doesn't, that have a, isn't there a third title for that, too? Uh, All You Need Is Kill. Yes. The volume of the story is based on. Yeah, there you go. Uh, which is, I mean, when you have three titles and all three titles are kind of awesome, like, good on you. You, you did a thing. So uh, if you haven't seen it, you should see it. Um, 2014, it's a Doug Lehman movie. Uh, Tom Cruise is the star. When it comes to being a human being, I'm not a big Tom Cruise fan. When it comes to being an actor and running goofy, I am a big Tom Cruise fan. Emily Blunt uh, is absolutely lights out in this one. Uh, Brendan Gleeson is good as always. Bill Paxton, one of his uh, later movies, um, sadly. Uh, it's got a good cast, and it's got a really interesting story. So it's about a guy who um, basically Tom Cruise plays his 80s character, which is kind of a sleazy dirtbaggy guy. Um, who ends up being pushed into a situation where he now has to be a frontline fighter. And he uh, he very quickly gets overwhelmed and dies and wakes up and is in the exact same situation and gets overwhelmed again and dies again. And so it continues with him having to piece together slowly over the course of the movie exactly what needs to be done. Uh, so... Uh, this was originally written, um, the inspiration for this, uh, uh, the author of the novel that this is based on said that he was inspired by video games where you'll be playing and you have to hit the reset button over and over until you find your winning strategy for the level. Or like you have to keep like a Mario game where you have to restart the level until you can beat it. And it was like, okay, what would a time loop look like if you had to restart this uh, situation until you could figure out a way to win and without spoilers i think that it also does a really interesting way of it you know this is not a video game for these characters it's real life and what constitutes winning becomes a really interesting conversation all right uh i i went with like a really underground movie so i'll go next so that you can end with a movie you've actually probably heard of uh, I picked The Endless. Have you guys seen this movie? Yes. Um, so Justin Benson and Aaron Moorhead, uh, they're like co-directors. They make these like kind of underground guerrilla films. Their first film was called Resolution. Um, their new film is After Midnight, um, which I, I recommend highly. It's pretty good. Um, it's a romantic monster movie. That's all I'll say. <laughs> which is like my favorite way to describe a movie. So I just, uh, but the endless is a science fiction kind of horror uh, time loop movie. Uh, some cool things about this movie. Uh, one, the, the two main, the guys directed wrote, wrote and starred in the movie. So Justin Benson and Aaron uh, Moorhead are the stars of the movie. They are the writers. They are the directors. They didn't really write a script beforehand. They, they made like this <laughs> series of sets and then they kind of flowed together and then they kind of built the script as they were going, which is kind of a weird way to make a film. Uh, they, the reason they acted in the film is because they needed to keep the budget down. This film was made for $300,000 and you would not guess that just by looking at it, to be honest with you. It, 
$300,000 is incredibly cheap. That's like a El Mariachi style guerrilla filmmaking, right? They use the song, The House of the Rising Sun a lot in this. And the reason they use that is because that song's in the public domain. So, so they don't have oh, to really? pay for it. <laughs> yep. That's a rad song. Good for them. Yeah. Um, it was the first genre film to play in the U.S. competition at Tribeca Film Festival since 2008. So it was 2017 when it came out. So, I mean, it's obviously held in pretty high regard by uh, by critics and reviewers. It's it's a really good movie. I don't want to. I kind of feel like it's one of those movies where the less you know about it going into it, the more you will enjoy discovering kind of what's going on. Would you agree with that, Eric? Yeah, it's because it, you, you definitely don't want to know much about this movie. Um, I'd say you've said enough. Uh, I, I try and hunt down any odd sci-fi or horror movie I can that might be a gem. I'm really surprised you like this movie. I just didn't think it's a Nathan Sano movie, but yeah, this movie's it's it's solid. It's good. I feel like it's got like a um, there's like a a creep a creepiness to it. Yeah, it's you know like I'd a, call it a sci-fi movie, but it's I found it under the horror section because it's um. It's it's got horror for sure. Yeah, there's something there for sure. It gets pretty grisly. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, I don't know. It's 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 not for every. It's not going to be for everyone. But I think people who are into this kind of this kind of like slow burn, like there's something itching at the back of your head kind of thing. Um, it's it's really ambitious and it's really good filmmaking, and I really enjoyed it. So there you go. Watch the endless. Eric, what did mm-hmm. you pick? Uh, I of course went with the holiday classic, the Twelve Days of Christmas. Uh, no, sorry. Um, that was for Kevin because I knew he would care about it. I uh, went with Groundhog Day. <laughs> Groundhog Day is uh, a classic. It's classic. And when I say everybody likes this movie, everyone has seen this movie because it's on three times a year on some channel for a couple days at least. One of those being on Groundhog Day. For those not in the know or you just want a refresher, this movie stars Bill Murray as a weatherman in Pittsburgh, and he gets to go to the town of uh, Punxsutawney to see the uh the groundhog's day tradition and he's going to report this with uh andy mcdowell is what is she in this movie she works uh, i for believe the... she's his pro- i believe she's the producer. okay producer that's right she i didn't that i don't ever remember seeing the movie where she's which say, is basically hey. like being a pro- which is basically like being a director in a newsroom yeah and she's just kind of there she's laying everything out and of course uh the in my opinion always funny chris elliott is the cameraman for this of cabin boy fame boy fame uh it's creek uh but yeah they get snowed in 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 this small town and uh when he wakes up uh the day starts over Uh, without going through it too much every single day is the same he spends uh i read this somewhere they it's not it's not the same you know he has that good line in there where he says like um it's uh or he says like it's um there's room for possibilities right even in uh like he's he every day is a little different yeah but he can't he can't leave the town he's he's trapped in there Mm -hmm. and every day uh, he wakes with the same sunny and share song that is just you know maddening but i think it's something like he spent 43 lifetimes there or something like that or 43 years watching him go through the grief cycle of dealing with waking up that way. Well, how here's how it begins. It begins when he when he he plays the same day over the first time. He's having a drink and he's just kind of like pontificating with these strangers in this small town of like what if there are no rules? What if there's no consequences? You know, when he like he steals a car, he runs on train tracks, he gets in the in a 
you know, chase with some cops, gets sent in jail, wakes up the next day and realizes, wow, I can do anything I want. And he keeps doing this. It, 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 it kind of explores the idea of what we all would do. He, (laughs) he starts acting goofy. He, he gets an escort and dresses as a cowboy and goes to a movie. Like these are just hilarious things that of course, uh, Bill Murray, who stars in this movie would do. Um, he he tries to get a a a local uh a girl he sees and he he finds to see if he can actually bed her in one day spoiler alert he does it um all these things that you know if you're living out any sort of fantasy life in the situation maybe you try and do he robs a bank he steals a bunch of money uh eventually all this gets old and he needs to find some sort of meaning in all this and that's really the the idea of the film you know finding meaning in your life and finding your place. And uh, it's a romantic comedy. It's very funny. It's very sweet. And uh, yeah, it's, it's a great overall for, film for me. You know, some people might say that like Caddyshack stripes, uh, Ghostbusters world are uh, life aquatic. These might be like your quintessential Bill Murray first for my money. This is the quintessential Bill Murray film. If I told someone that came out of a time machine, they're like, I can only watch one Bill Murray movie. Which one should I watch? I would tell them to watch this one. Hmm, I think it's the, it's the one that like it nails like all of the, the notes that you want it to nail. Um, There's like, you're right. There's a lot of talk about how long he was in the time loop. Um, The director says like about a hundred years, the writer in the original script said between 70 and 80 years because there's all these things that he like does, like he learns French and does ice sculpting that would take a long time to learn. Learns professional piano. Piano, yeah. Uh, memorizes the different problems in the city for the day and figures out solutions for them. And I mean, the whole <laughs> point is that like he's he's just trapped as long as it takes for him to become like a better person, right? Because at Which... the beginning of the movie, it's a it's like what's cool is it's a coming of age movie for like a thirty five year old dude. Yeah, yep. but he doesn't. <laughs> you, know? I don't, you can you can argue does he figure that out or is he just deciding to live his best life? And right, he start, he starts like realizing like it's better to be good than it is to be terrible because yeah. it starts off i mean like you know he sees that guy what's the uh ned ned, ned. Punches that guy <laughs> in the face. Ned. just punches that guy in the face you know yeah it's like, his last it's... moment with ned is when andy mcdowell is is rude to him and he's not which is the best part you know it's... yes oh what did she say to him she says <laughs> she, oh, let's not let's not ruin a yeah, perfect he, night he's like so where are we going now and she goes oh let's not ruin it and then yes. they walk away and he goes, oh, ow. Yes. <laughs> oh, I think, I think that the, she's so supposed to say obnoxious. She was supposed to say, I think I read a trivia about this. She's supposed to say ruin it, but she says spoil it instead because she has an accent and the director didn't like the way it sounded. When she uh, said ruin. Yeah, yeah. She's, uh, she's got that. She probably said like ruin accent. or something. <laughs> Andy ruin. McDowell is so charming in this movie, too, and plays a perfect character across from Bill Murray. I, I feel like the uh the triple casting of the three main characters we have uh because bill murray in the beginning is so sardonic and so selfish and anna mcdowell is very selfless and uh like a very sweet person and then we have you know uh bill murray is um like is is smart he's smart enough to be that big of a jerk and Chris Elliott is just kind of like this affable idiot. And so you have this interplay of these three personalities where Bill Murray's character eventually has to like has to find value in what they do because 
the first set of interactions with uh, Andy McDowell, he's trying to do what she wants. And later on, like it ends up being instead of trying to like be perfect, it's more like trying to be good. Yeah, just being yourself, being yourself. Yeah, not trying to make the perfect day, just trying to make uh, make the best day you can by being a good person. Maybe so that'll be our next back... uh, Mount Rushmore movie thing. Is our top five Bill Murray's that that could be good, Nathan? That's a good one. Uh, real quick uh, to tie back together with my movie. Um, so, a decision that was made about uh, time loop movies. So Bill Murray greeted the situation in Groundhog's Day with um, optimism. The idea of possibilities was something that he pursued. He pursues them so much that he ends up going through all these different possible outcomes. Uh, Something intentionally that was decided uh, in the novel and in the writing of the script was that Cage, Tom Cruise's character, has the opposite reaction. Everything new is terrifying. It's a potential place where things could go wrong. Um, He doesn't want to have to relive these moments. And like he feels the pain of the moments over time. And there's this a couple of really interesting parts in Edge of Tomorrow where he alludes to the fact that like he hates being stuck in the loop because of what he has to see and experience and do. And it hurts. And whereas Bill Murray like laughs off committing suicide, uh, Cage, like uh, Tom Cruise's character, is absolutely devastated by his experiences. And it's such a big contrast that kind of defines the character and what they're trying to do. All right. So uh, that's it. If you have a favorite time loop movie, you love Looper, you love um, uh, what are some other good time loop I do movies? like Looper. I was thinking about doing a movie called Run Lola Run, but it's again, it's got a not a lot of people have seen it and it's not like an entire movie based on that, but towards the end it gets that way. Um, it's a pretty cool plot point as long as you don't wrap your entire movie around it, because as you can tell, we've kind of, we've picked the cream of the crop of, of movies that can actually achieve this feat. Uh, uh, happy death day. Happy death day to you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Palm Springs. Maybe you want to talk about Palm Springs? Jump in there. Jump in the source uh, code. The, the, source, source code, code was yeah. almost really good. Uh, time crimes primer time cop time 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 crimes is a spanish thriller uh uh, anyway if you have a favorite time loop movie just (laughs) go ahead and jump in the discord tell us uh, about it uh for for eric ronovic for kevin garber we'll see you next week go hawks